This is Mike Borders, and you're listening to Misery Point Radio. Tyrants, thanks for joining me again on Misery Point Radio. Appreciate you putting on your mosquito hat and setting aside those bath salts to join me here in the wasteland. Porque hoy, mis amigos, we're taking a trip back to the land of dog snatching gators, sweaty nutsacks, and brutal old school death metal to pay another visit to an old friend who's got some new shit in the works. And let me tell you, I'm so excited about this band's upcoming release, I don't even want to stand up from the console right now if you catch my drift. High noon on the sundial, baby. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, today's guest is none other than Mike Borders, outspoken bassist of the legendary Florida death metal veterans Massacre. Mike and I first spoke a couple of years ago at the Massacre relaunch show in Orlando, and needless to say, a lot of crazy shit has happened in the two plus years since that show. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, pull out your fancy electronic brain device and do a little digging yourself. Quick side note, as much as I'm sure a lot of y'all expect there to be a ton of shit talking and mudslinging here, it didn't happen. Sorry, bitches. So, with the upcoming October release of their new album, Resurgence, I figured it was time to have Mike back on the show and give us a lowdown on what's been going on. We, of course, touched slightly on the personnel changes and the pathway that led to their current lineup, as well as the numerous guest musicians that Resurgence features. We also chatted about the origin of their deal with Nuclear Blast, the role that the band played in the production of the album, their numerous taste bud wedding fan-oriented releases, and of course their brand new single, The Innsmouth Strain. Mike also dropped a surprise announcement, well, surprise to me anyway, about some recordings from that now famous Will's Pub show that will soon have new life breathed into them. And of course, we went down the usual rabbit holes. So, pull your junk out of that Cthulhu-shaped love doll, get that banana out of your ass, and prepare yourselves for the resurgence. Check it out. Hey, Mike, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Good to talk to you again. How you doing, man? How you doing? Uh, not dead yet. You're going to rub in the fact you live in the Pacific Northwest. I can feel it already. Mm. Well, I wasn't going to bring it up, but now that you mention it, I've got the ceiling fan going. It's uh, it's about 70 degrees here right now. I'm not sweating yet, and uh, I don't have swamp ass. So I never see ceiling fans when I go out there. Yeah. I don't know how you <laughs> yeah, it's it actually though it, it's kind of funny. So we had uh, we had almost Florida weather, right? You know, we've hit a hundred and I think seven hundred and eight a couple of times in the last few weeks. Uh, you know, the fucking Pacific Northwest is on fire right now, so it's smoky and and balmy and just all kinds of nastiness. But uh, still, not a hundred degrees every single day and a hundred percent humidity like where you live. The last time we talked, you had mentioned that, you know, you come up this way every so often to go to the uh, Olinat forest. And I assume it's probably been a while since you've been here just because things have kind of taken off and gotten busy. But uh, I think it's probably not quite the same as you remember it at this point. I, I've heard the stories. It makes me sad. It really does. It's been three years since we've been out there. And I, I see pictures. I see the old guy that has the live feed of the hookers on Aurora Avenue. Oh, man. It cracks me up. I'm like, holy shit. You, you, I, I don't understand why the people there don't run these idiots off that are sleeping in tents everywhere. I don't understand it. 
Yeah, and that's that's not even the worst part of it. That's just, you know, another day in the life. You know, the uh my office, my proper office is in downtown Seattle and I just I don't even go there. Like it's literally on First Avenue. Um, which for those that don't know Seattle, First Avenue is right down there by the ferry terminal. And uh what was once a very nice area is is just regardless of your politics, in general, just walking down there is it's not nice, it's not safe, and it's just it's like you said, it's uh it's pretty sad, so I don't have to go there. It's such a pretty place. I gotta ask you, is that pretty safe place still open? <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, down there by um, the Pike Place Market, there's a there's kind of the international market across the street. Yeah, they got a couple of pierogi places in there. They're still kind of hanging on. It smells so good when you walk by there. I don't know what this is. I gotta eat it. Yeah, that is the one thing about Seattle is is at least in its heyday, you know, walking through the market when it's in full form and all the all the smells and all the food. The Euro stand is still there, which I love. The little hole in the wall burrito shop that's about twelve square feet that pumps out like a hundred burritos a minute, um, and probably fails every health inspection on the planet, but it's still delicious. What's that little restaurant on the second floor of the market that overlooks uh, the Sound? I can't remember. It's got like a blue and purple neon sign thing going on. Oh, I don't know. It's uh, It was really good. Cool. I remember that. I was sitting there looking over the sounds like, my God, I'd live here in a heartbeat if it wasn't for all these crazy people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess the crazy people are everywhere you go. But, you know, when we were in Orlando, uh, Marsha and I were noticing uh, you just don't see the level of, I think, craziness in the street. But I assume that your crazy is just hidden. Like our crazy is out in the open. You, you have Florida, man. So that's the trade-off. We run them off. <laughs> we run them off. I mean, a couple weeks ago, my wife calls me up. It's like five in the morning. She's pulling, pulling into her, de- her office. And she's like, there's two people camping out on the front door of my, my office. And I, so I drive up there and turn the floodlights on in my truck. And there's people just going to have tent. They've been pissing all over the place. And I took an hour for a cop to show up. I'm like playing the new massacre really loud. <laughs> I'm leaving. Get out. Nice. <laughs> well, you know, speaking then of, uh, of new massacre, um, you know, a lot's, a lot's happened since uh, it was two years ago, I guess, at the at the reboot. Two years and some change, like May of 2019, I think it was, for the uh, infamous Will's Pub show. Um, it seems like forever ago, and I got news about that show, too. So Yeah. Um, well, shit, what's the news about that show? We'll just dive into it. Okay. Um, somehow, it's almost embarrassing that I bring it up. The attorneys for some people that used to be in the band, and the attorneys for people who are in the band all came to an agreement with the guys at Nuclear Blast, and they're going to take the recording of that show, which we made a really good soundboard recording of it, and it will be released as a live record in the next year or so through Nuclear Blast. They signed off on it two weeks ago. So I've been listening to the final mixes of that over the last day. But there will be the live recording of the only time from Beyond was played from start to finish live. And the only time the three of them, actually the first time the three of us have been together in 30 years. Yeah. So Nuclear Blast will be releasing that probably, say, within a year and a half. And they take about a year and a half to do everything there. 
I'm saying this in a negative way. They're, they've been extremely cool to work with. They're very nice. They're very helpful. They just, they have their own pace. Yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, and I think everything right now is just kind of moving at a snail's pace, especially with, you know, vinyl plants being backed up and, you know, release dates being backed up and just, just all that stuff. But you mentioned, so that's kind of funny about that, that show, because one of the things that I was going to bring up later on, but we'll just talk about it now is that in this interim time between announcing, you know, singles and the new album and all that stuff, you guys have been pretty busy releasing kind of awesome tidbits of content here and there, whether or not it's, uh, you know, kind of free singles, GG Allen covers, uh, you know, a reissue HD version of from beyond, um, you know, the old demos kind of coming back, tyrants of death, all that kind of cool compilation stuff. And you had also released not long after that show. Well, Hey, we wanted to give the fans a tidbit. So you released the original versions of those live recordings. And that was a uh, Greg Mandigo, right? That engineered that stuff. And he's the one that's going to do, he did the live album. Yeah. So is it going to be a completely separate like mix yes. and process than what you guys had released as free content? Is this going to be like a complete facelift on that? Completely his own thing. He's taking his soundboard recordings, doing his own thing with it. He's editing out, some of the noise that happened, a lot of the, some people will be thrilled that we edit out cams between the song banter. <laughs> like, like, honey, I want you to hear a new album, but I can't let you listen to the filthy language. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but yeah, it's good. It will sound totally different now. And how do you feel about that? I'm, I'm thrilled about it. I mean, I like the way the new album sounds. Fano did a great job mastering it. I mean, we went to him. Here's here's our tapes. They've been pre-mixed. And I got him on the phone and said, look, I got one thing to ask. Don't get carried away. It's like, I know you love what you do. You're very good at it. We want this to sound a little on the raw side. And he was kind of taken. He was like, what? What could he been dealing with Taylor and Jeremy as well before all that went down? And I was like, forget everything they said. <laughs> Want it to sound more like this and like that. And he did a good job with it. He really left it a little on the um, the rough side, which is what we wanted to do. Sometimes he's polished their shit so much that just it it sounds fake. Yeah, I know that you're not a fan of the uh, the overproduced um, content. And I remember the first time we talked, and I asked you what you thought about you know from beyond the first time you heard it, and you were like it was way overproduced. And I'm like, you're the first person that's ever told me from beyond was way overproduced. And I then heard it. That's what I thought. Yeah. And over the course of the last couple of years, I, I was, it was cool enough. You, you know, kind of sent me some tidbits here and there. And I was like this, you know, this shit sounds pretty good, Mike. Uh, you know, or how are you feeling about how this is sounding? Cause everything I've heard so far. And of course the new single, um, it's, it sounds fantastic. And I don't, it's definitely an overproduced, but I don't know if I'd also say it's like super raw sounding. Um, it's more raw sounding than what it would have been if Taylor and Jeremy were still in the band. Let's put it that way. Um, we would, I'm not saying anything bad about those guys. I love them to death. I still consider them friends. But we wanted it to be a little, and it's not. It's not as raw sounding as I would have liked. 
but obviously you have to live up to a certain production standard that's happening these days. You have all these guys that think they could have done a better job producing and mixing, and they're, oh, it doesn't sound like this, that, so you have to do a certain level of it. But it's still, the important thing is it still sounds like the people that played on the album. You get these albums that are so produced these days, you don't even recognize the guys playing anymore. It's like, that's not the way you sound. It's bullshit. And it sounds like the five of us, the six of us, if you include Scott. And that's the cool thing. I will say that was the cool thing with Nuclear Blast is they didn't try and get involved in any of that process. We literally handed them the masters, the art, everything. Said, here you go. And they just like, why, thank you. And took it. No argument, no, well, we need to change this, we need to change that. They just took it. Yeah. And they'll give you they'll give you back your five percent when it's all done. And uh <laughs> maybe. But here's the cool thing. I mean, since we paid for everything out of pocket and we all recorded our parts at home, our overhead for the project was next to nothing. Yeah. But basically Svana was the only bill we had. So it really it's not like we borrowed $30,000 to make an album like some people do. Or more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, like as an example, there's another record that some of the other guys in our band did years ago, and they still owe the label $35,000 for it. Jeez. We did not want that to happen. We're going in here free of debt. That's awesome. I, I think the also the advent of uh, just internet and capabilities and, you know, pro tool sharing and just kind of all that stuff, you know, going to a big studio is awesome. The first couple of times you do it. Right. But then the reality of things hits you when you realize that the tools are now there for you to do all that shit at home, provided you know how to, you know, tweak knobs and buttons and make things move up and down and stuff like that. But, um, it's not a hundred percent necessary, especially if it's a, an environment you're already comfortable in. Uh, I've seen a lot of bands over these last two years just get put together. And, you know, uh, for instance, Massacre, the guys you're working with now, you guys are all over the place, right? It's not like you're all sitting around in, in town and let's get together and jam, you know? Uh, just so a quick recap then for those that, that aren't familiar, kind of more or less with what happened. So two years ago, you guys, as you said, played From Beyond Live in its entirety for the first time. Uh, three of you guys, uh, you know, meaning you and Cam and Roz hadn't played together in forever. Uh, and then things were moving forward. Then Roz and Maz departed. Then you brought on Jeremy and Taylor, another drum guitar combo. And then you lost that guitar drum combo. And then uh, due to the amazing cosmic circumstance that is all of the contacts you guys had in the industry and uh, Cam's other bands and friends, you guys ended up with some some other pretty badass players. So uh, I know everybody can get online and kind of type this shit in themselves. So why don't you tell us who are the players that are on this album? You got three guitarists and a drummer um, kind of hanging out with you guys and it, everything is, is fucking badass. So just kind of give us that uh, story on how that all came to be. Okay, like, obviously Cam had worked with Johnny on the Not Raven thing, and also he'd worked with Rogue on a couple of things. We're like, hey, y'all wanted to help us with the new Massacre album? They're like, shit, yeah. And we started putting it together, and it just, honestly, it just happened. And we realized we needed some solos, we called Scott Fairfax. He's like, Scott, you like our band, right? <laughs> he cursed a lot, he was drinking a lot. I was like, we'll put some solos on here. He's like, Sure. Next thing you know, that he's sending us tapes, 
tapes. I'm all soul. I keep saying tapes. Right. He was sending us solos. And we put these songs together in a matter of like three months, just going back and forth between everybody. Yeah, it, it's it did it. It seemed from a from a listener standpoint, you know, after all the announcements got made and departures happened and this and that, I think there was this perception, and I remember seeing it floating around. Oh shit, you know, massacres fucked. That's that's it. It's done. This and that. And then you guys are like, no, fuck you. I got stuff already. <laughs> we already, you know, it didn't seem to affect you one way or another too terribly bad. Um, considering you know when a lot of people lose musicians, it puts a huge delay on stuff. Um. We could see things were going south with Taylor and Jeremy before it became official. Obviously, there's a lot of butting heads between certain people. Sure. I, and that's normal. I mean, to think guys and bands are sitting around grilling burgers with each other on the weekend, hanging out, we're all best buddies, and we share each other's underwear and stuff. That is not the case. Oh, I sent you my underwear, by the way, just so you know. It probably won't fit me. It's okay. <laughs> um, it's, it, it, you know, when we were kids starting out, 18 years old, we were, we were four friends hanging out in the garage making music. And at a certain point, it becomes we're working together. I mean, are we friendly? Do we ask how each other's wives or like Cam's mother's sick, my brother's sick? How's your family? What's going on? But it's not like we're hanging out and you know, going to dinner together and things like that. But it is a working relationship. So when you get that mindset, yes, we're working together, it makes it all a lot easier. Sure. It's a, kind of a more of a business relationship, right? It is. It is. And I hate to say it like that. I mean, it's. I don't want to call the business because we are creating something. This is, if I say the word art, and my father hears this interview, he's going to laugh his ass off. <laughs> Massacre, art in the same sentence. <laughs> But um, it, it is a creative thing. It really is. And But you do have to think of it sometimes as, all right, like I can work with people I hate. I have no problem working with anybody. I really do. Some people can't get past that. Yeah, that's that's work. That's why it's work, right? Exactly. Exactly. There's guys that work for me in my real job and yell and scream, each other, scream at each other every day. But the end product is what we're going for. So I don't care if we're best friends or not. We work, we work well together. That's what's, that's all that matters. And the five of us, the six of us all work very well together on this. There was no drama. There was no bullshit. There was no arguing over, well, can you play this note a little bit here? Or can you turn the bass down one-tenth of one dB at 100 hertz? None of that shit. We all just, you do your thing, you do your thing, you do your thing. And it's all going to come together. And that's what we did. We all did what we normally would do with complete freedom between what we play. And it just came together. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, it sounds great. I, I'm uh, I'm excited because I think all the naysayers that were, that were of the opinion that nothing was going to happen are now being proven wrong, which is fantastic. And uh, not only that, I think that from the vibe that I get from what I've heard from what I've read, the way that you guys are approaching this album is that it's really a true follow-up to from beyond. Right. And that it's not designed to be a follow-up of back from beyond or for God's sake, a follow-up to fucking promise. Um, I so. <laughs> promise ever. I've never even listened to it. what you call. You got to listen to it. I, okay. I didn't listen to from beyond until, until you were back. back. <laughs> 
It was 30 years. Like, oh, yeah, I guess I should listen to this. I haven't heard these songs in forever. And, okay, not a big deal. But, okay, what you said, we did. And I think when people hear the album, there will be tie-ins to a few of the songs on From Beyond, and people will hear them. Like, oh, like this is a sequel to that song. And it might not even be a lyrical sequel. It's a, there's a mu- there are musical phrases that will tie, oh, that could easily be part of this. And that's on purpose. There are some things we did like that on purpose to kind of, I hate to use the phrase, to marry it to those old songs. Well, I, th- I think that, you know, From Beyond obviously has withstood the test of time it, it it still is constantly brought up right as a, a true testament to the the old school death metal stuff the what the purists really like about just that that era and i think that people are really looking forward to um kind of having that brought back as you know uh eric meyer from dark angel had mentioned the stuff they were working on is really going to be more of a kind of a follow-up to darkness descends right as opposed to time does not heal and so, so i nope. think yeah, that's and that's awesome. Um, you guys also had some other guest musicians involved. Uh, you know, uh, Mark from Morgoth, for instance, um, uh, which I, I, of course I was a huge fan of that back in the day. Who else did you have? Yeah, Pete Slate, right from uh, Druid Lord, which of course I'm a huge Pete fan Slate. of Druid Lord. Yeah, Pete Slate does a solo in one of the songs. Obviously, Dave Ingram from Benedictions on there. Um, it's quite a few. I mean, Cam pulled in a lot of guest friends so, so to speak to do backup vocals here and there nothing to really change if you hear them and you're like well that's kind of cool and once again i think i can't say for sure why he did it but he really wanted to get these guest guys on there i think more than anything to show the camaraderie the old guys still had and when we first started playing it wasn't this ultra competitive i hate those guys i hate those guys we were all sharing tapes and t-shirts with each other and we all got along and we helped each other move up the food chain playing music as kids. And you see that in the guys that are our age, we're still like, oh, that was cool. That was awesome. Let's do that. And these young guys don't get that. They're very cutthroat and competitive. It's like, you got to stop that shit. <laughs> you're going to work together. You're all going to starve even more than you already are. Yeah. Top ramen only gets you so far. Um, I've never had a ramen. I saw the sodium content. I was like, oh, screw that. Really? I, I pictured you as the kind of guy that would just drink an entire cup of sodium and say, <laughs> no, no, I was sweating so much the other day. I was working the yard. I came in as just drenched. I was like, I'm going to eat this whole damn bag of potato chips. I need this salt. I can just feel it. But that's few and far between. <laughs> nice. Um, how did the nuclear blast deal come about? I know that you guys had to wait forever to even make the announcement that you had got signed a nuclear blast. So when exactly did that happen? That actually started before Taylor and Jeremy left. Okay. They had given us the offer not too long after Raw's and Maz split. Okay. They, they found out we were doing this. Gerardo's a huge fan of the old stuff. And they were calling us, calling, calling the attorney. Oh, God. And we, they made us the offer. And honestly, they've been easy to work with. But they, like I said, they gave us total free artistic license to do whatever we wanted. But they wanted to control the release. 
the promotion of it. They wanted to control the timing of it. Then the whole, of course, the whole COVID thing interfered with that sort of stuff. But I mean, besides the delays, everything's been smooth. And I get the delays. And you don't want to release a new album in the middle of a pandemic when people are worried if they're going to have money for a loaf of bread and a gallon of milk. So hopefully October it comes out. I know it's sitting there in a warehouse now. We don't even have our copies yet. We're supposed to get some copies in the next week. I'm always showing everybody going, yeah, I got one. Um, <laughs> they were, like I said, they're easy to work with, and it's been smooth sailing other than just the delays caused by what's going on in the world. But they did say, or they said, we signed the contract, and they were like, all right, don't say anything until the time is right. So, okay, I get it. It's been hard to keep it under wraps, <laughs> So it was a situation where they reached out to you guys, though. It wasn't like you were shopping it around. It just came, boom, we want to take part of this. No, we honestly, when Roz and Maz left, me and Cam were already talking about starting to work on new material. It's like, all right, this is fun. Let's write some new stuff. We were going to put it out on our own. I mean, ideally, that product, okay. Realistically, you could probably make more as a business if you're smart enough to do this releasing albums on your own controlling the product controlling everything you just don't have the market reach of somebody like nuclear blast um but we were gonna we say look we can record everything ourselves we can mix it and all the singles we've been releasing for the last couple of months just the stupid punk covers and things that's all in-house johnny's been mixing them at home um like yeah we can do this but they called us up and like, all right, we can't turn this down. At the current rate, they're releasing stuff. Like, as an example, we have the album that comes out. They already have two EPs that we've done, including the artwork, sitting there ready to release as well. Those will come out probably late next summer. Now the live album. And we're working on another album right now with them. Me and Cam are going to be in our 60s. <laughs> we got a new album. <laughs> so you guys, obviously, you're... you're you've kind of thought forward. It's not just a, an immediate, here's what's happening now. You, you've got material. You've been kind of branching out, doing stuff uh, that's different than what Massacre might be known for with some of these releases, which is awesome. I think one of the things bands don't often do is fill the void, right? Here you have a release and then you don't hear anything for, you know, after the initial promotion period. And you guys are exactly the opposite of that. It's a constant barrage of massacre on socials and, you know, whatever. So um, that's got to be a, a conscious decision on, on your guys' part to, to stay in the minds of people, right? Well, first, me and Punk, I mean, Cam both grew up being fans of the old punk rock bands, bands like Black Flag, Anti-Symex. That's the stuff we listened to as kids. And it was always so. These were the songs, even some of them were like, we should cover this song when we first started playing together when we were 18 years old. And I'm glad those are coming out. And it, honestly, it's fun to do. Yeah. We'll get, or like, are we waiting? We can't release any of our stuff. Let's record a cover. Just put it out there. We've actually got, besides the ones we've put out, I think we've got four more done mixed, and they'll be coming out over the next few months. There'll be a couple coming out on. There's a tribute album coming out to a fellow that passed away a few years ago. Can't mention his name yet. Um, I don't think there's like two other punk. There's uh, and there's a Repulsion cover coming out. All that mix. Oh, sick! 
Cam actually tracked down the original guitarist for Repulsion. He's playing a solo on it. Sick. So it's kind of his way of giving us his blessing to do it. Yeah, that's awesome. I uh, I was surprised when uh, when the Gigi Allen thing popped up because that's such a such a niche artist and of course uh, highly controversial in his own way. Um, so I, I just thought that was kind of funny. I mean, you got to be in the right mood to listen to a Gigi Allen a song, let alone an entire album. Um, <clears throat> the Gigi Allen fan, he is actually a fan. Yeah. The Cameron with Gigi Allen and Plasmatics album. It's a happy little guy. So, uh, but I'm guessing we're probably not going to see anybody uh, dancing around on stage, shoving bananas up their ass, and having hookers pee on their face, um, at least in public. No, <laughs> nothing is going near any of our assholes. I'm just that right now. <laughs> well, then I'm going to have to give everybody the next best thing. So here it is, something just a little different from Massacre, an absolutely amazing cover of Gigi Allen's 99 Stab Wounds. Stick that up your ass, bitches. Are we fucking doing this? Yeah! Bringing it back home now, I guess, uh, after we just took everybody down that uh, rabbit hole. So, first single, uh, Innsmouth Strain. Is it Innsmouth or is it Innsmouth? Is it like Portsmouth or, you know, how do you say it? I'm from Kentucky. It's Innsmouth. Okay, sweet. So, and my friends are differently. I don't uh, Sounds killer, obviously. Super old school sounding. Um, so, why did you guys choose that particular track to uh, to kind of... The label actually chose the order of the singles that are coming out, and they did it because, I mean, they explained to us time length and the marketing of streaming and how it is right now. And they're like, all right, this song is like, they actually picked that song. This song was perfectly timed to do this. It's like, okay, I don't care. I just, I, you can put the whole album out. I don't care. I want people to hear it. So they are controlling all of that sort of shit. Got it. Um, they they have picked the singles that they think will be best to put out. We have 
four singles total that will come out between now and October 22nd. So you guys don't really have any feedback at all on that. But I, I mean, I assume if everything sounds, if everything sounds as good as that, then who cares what the singles are? I mean, they, obviously they ask, I mean, they like, what do you think of this? Right. Like, all right. There was one song they wanted to use as a single. Cam was like, no, let's save that for the album. It's like a special treat we did. Um, so they, I mean, everything that's run by us and they, so look, explain to me why you like this, why you don't want to use this song as a single. And they're like, well, that song's seven minutes long. Streaming services won't carry it first upfront single. I was like, whatever. Okay. And that's what's happening. The uh, Lovecraft reference is obviously still uh, front and center there. That's so much of Cam, right? Yes, it, that's, that's his boy. So. <laughs> One of these, one of these days, I will find. I, mean, I know I've got copies of them. One of these days, I will actually read the lyrics to these songs. <laughs> I don't know what he's saying. I was like, "What song is this?" Okay, cool. I know the title. Awesome. Was this, what's that song about having sex with dead bodies? Oh, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, is there going to be uh, a Mark Brent's guest uh, vocal on any of your? Uh, <laughs> any of your upcoming releases sadly last i heard he's back in jail uh-oh he spends a lot of time in jail for doing things he shouldn't it, it's there's a couple of those guys in the very first version of the band that made bad habits and led to lots of jail time yeah yeah well things happen and uh things happen things and- happen uh, things happen to a lot of people in the music industry. <laughs> it's, uh, the tra- sadly, it's like the stuff that happens to the guys like this. How are the ones that never got past the cover band? I'm a 17 year old guy in the cover band stage in the music industry. And I know guys have been doing this for 40, like 30, 40 years. And they've kept their noses clean. They've never got in trouble. They're good. Then you got the guys in the bar band that die of a drug overdose. It's it's crazy, dude. I, I, there's no rhyme or reason to it. People are just fucking nuts. Um, so when we first spoke, there's something I, I, I'm glad I'm getting a chance to follow up with you about this. But way back early on, uh, when you were talking about first rejoining the band, and you said, as long as it's fun, I'm in. Yes. So now here we are two years later after all this shit has happened. Is it still fun? <sighs> All right. Parts <laughs> of it are extremely fun. Part they really are parts of it. They're just a blast. Parts of it are just pure misery, though. Obviously, the travel thing hadn't been an issue for the last year. Traveling sucks when you're carrying around a couple guitars and gear and things like that, especially when you go to South America where they beat everything up. Um, the headaches of the personalities you deal with, and they can suck a lot of the fun out of it. Some people get so wrapped up in the it has to be my way, or you know, people will let their egos get in the way a lot of fun sometimes. And it's not just one person, it could be everybody. And it's like, can't we just, you know, it's like, can't we just, like, hey, just enjoy what we're doing? It sounds great. And thankfully, everybody involved right now is not throwing any of that shit around. Yeah. There has been times in the past where it's like, all right, you guys just need to all chill out. You're, unless you're like David Bowie and you're selling millions and millions of records, you can't get away with some of this attitude you're given. And you meet that. You, every band's got a couple guys floating around like that some days, it seems. 
everybody's got their ideas, you know, about what, what they want and if people are passionate about the things they're passionate about and opinions are going to vary. And uh, unfortunately, you know, when there's business on the line and third parties are involved, that shit can get really complicated. And when I get the opinions and everybody's got the opinion, everybody's got their passion, they got the, their vision of what things are supposed to sound like. I, I totally get that. I really do. But sometimes you just got to work together and make it happen. And you can't pitch little hissy fits and storm off and you know, yell at the sound man. That's a bad, that's a big one. But you don't yell at the sound man. <laughs> There's not a sound man out there who hasn't just been yelled at to the point of just probably... S- climbing up to a clock tower and starting to pick people off. <laughs> it's an underappreciated gig. It really is. I mean, in some of these places, they might be fantastic system. And I forget. Okay. It was um, at 1720 in California for the California death. Fest. I was walking back behind the guy doing the monitor system and he had windows 95 on the laptop. Oh. That was controlling everything. I just looked at him. I was like, Dude. And we stood there and just laughed for like 10 minutes. <laughs> 95. It was Windows 95 on the laptop that was running the gear. Oh, and I got such a kind of laugh by ass. He's like, it works, it works. I was like, it's all that matters. Actually, it didn't work half the time, but still, it was okay. It works half the time, though. That's awesome. It worked. There were a couple times on stage we couldn't hear each other. And I was like, whatever, let's just roll with it. <laughs> I saw a uh, kind of, I don't know if it was a post or something, but there, there was a you guys put out a blurb or a release or some kind of a, of a press junket regarding uh, this new album resurgence that it's going to have kind of some, some recurring themes and some concepts. Uh, So I know the Lovecraft thing is big. What else can we kind of expect in regards to thematic things on this album? The Lovecraft is the biggie, but like I mentioned earlier, the tie in to some of the old songs. I mean, I, Cam didn't go out of his way, and we did as well when the music was coming on. You will hear things like, that could easily be a part of this song off the front beyond, where this song could have fit on that record. It's almost like we're paying homage to a couple of the cooler riffs on the first record. Yeah. You will hear it. I mean, they're not clones by any means, but people hear that, oh, yeah, that's kind of like that thing in uh, Cryptic Realms. Oh, yeah, that worked. That's all, yeah. And then, make, and then you make that ugly, when you make that ugly face, you're playing a song, you're like, all right, this works. Cool. <laughs> the ugly face posts are hilarious, by the way, uh, because that's when you know you're completely lost in the moment, right? You got to make that ugly face like you're an old German guy taking a shit. You're like, oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> the songs themselves, though, are not necessarily tied to each other in conceptual format right we're not telling like a a story or revealing anything like that no nothing what's the word a concept album this is not a concept album it's a bunch of songs do they fit obviously they fit well together as an album like you're probably younger than i am but you're old enough where you had a whole album and all the songs worked you didn't have that one song on the album that just was like the sore thumb out of left field who wrote that piece of shit all the songs on this album work together, which is important. I, we wanted to have an album that you can sit there and listen to, not just, oh, that's one song I like, I like that song, then a bunch of filler. It is a whole album worth of listenable material. Yeah, I, I definitely have no doubt about that. I, I think people are excited that uh, you know this is coming out and that 
the tidbits they're hearing. And I'm sure there's plenty of people out there in the world that have kind of gotten some advanced listens on some of this stuff. But the feedback is already blowing people's minds. So um, and 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 well deserved because it it sounds killer and it is without question true old school style death metal. No fucking crazy bells and whistles and shit like that. There's no gent. There's no um overly technical. No power ballads. <laughs> well, damn. What other cancel what my other pre-order? Can I throw in there? Uh, there's no pig squeals. <laughs> <laughs> there are some there are some for the purists there's some cool kind of dive bomby shit in there you know if you want to get a you know that you true taste some, you have to have some dive bombs on a death metal album it's in the rule book didn't you know that I think it's rule 17 yeah <laughs> like the bass player has to go at least once every three, three songs <laughs> nice Cam has to go at least every other song right you know gotta exactly. Get that fist up there. Does it have to be there? People will be disappointed. Yeah, and they come naturally. It's not like we're forcing us forcing these things out. Like, all right, that's what we do. Yeah, just comes natural because you guys are old school. Um, old, old. Yeah, well, you can leave off the school if you want. You're just fucking old. But we'll we like to say old school. It's just nicer. It is nicer. I mean, we're already making jokes at like some of the festivals next year that they're not going to be groupies backstage. They'll be visiting angels. Um, <laughs> it'll be your hospice workers it'll be a cooler full of insure <laughs> oh man that's terrible let's just say that i work i work in an industry where uh insure is a thing and i've watched people lose their minds over not having enough of it so um, yeah oh god i've never had one of those it's like it's in a paper box how do you drink that shit yeah well i i, I can say uh yeah I, i've drank it it's not good <laughs> Got to try it. Got to try it. Got to have an insure latte. Come on. I'm in Seattle. Latte. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you <Okay>. also, <laughs> it's amazing. Um, you also did this uh, metal against coronavirus project. Yes, I, uh, I saw the shirt. It jogged my memory. Uh, tell us about that, because that seems pretty badass. I mean, I'm not like a huge you know, jump on the, on every single cause out there in the world. But I'm like, this one seems pretty legit. It, I mean, from what I can tell, it's legit. Jordy, guy who runs it out of Spain, contacted me. I did one and Cam did one. And, you know, it was fun. I mean, basically, they're like, all right, here's the part of the song. We're going to send it to you. Write a bass track around it. And we're going to slam it together with a bunch of other guys. You don't even know who they are yet. And we'll make it work. And, it's just a mashup of guys from around the world getting together, and it worked. It sounds cool. I mean, everybody, it's, I don't know how to explain it. We just all did our thing, and sometimes it sounds like, wow, I shouldn't have played that part, but it kind of sounds cool there. So, And then they mixed it together, and it worked out. They did good. They did good, and most of them sound pretty heavy. But one I'm on sounds the heaviest, though, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yours is, of course, by far, by far the heaviest. Uh, why wouldn't it be? The gravitational pull of my bass sound, I mean, it pulls smaller bass players into its own. <laughs> it's like a black hole. It, 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 exactly, it is. It a really black is. hole of, uh, of bass awesomeness. Um, for those of you that don't know, Borders is uh, um, Red Hot Chili Pepper style bass slapping madness. Is It's a thing in and of I, itself. Oh, got my bass. Ever. <laughs> 
Ever. The next step for you is to play at the Super Bowl halftime show with your instruments unplugged. And uh, that's when you'll know you've made it. No, I have never used my thumb and I've never tapped on my fretboard. No, I was like, here, I'm here to shake the building. I'm not here to play like a typewriter on my bass. I want things to vibrate. Uh, musically, you mean? Like, okay, if I can get a frequency just right to make the people in the audience's teeth hurt, then my wife can fix those teeth. And it's a win-win situation. That's right. That's right. It's like a mafia-style business. Exactly. So, Metal Against Coronavirus. uh, Now, is this a... Did it get released in proper format, or is it kind of still in process and just releasing bits and pieces here and there? So, okay, I actually talked to Jordy about this about three weeks ago. Um, they were originally just going to do a download MP3 format. Bandcamp. And then they started selling t-shirts. It's like, dude, you can totally release this on a 7-inch or a 10-inch. People like, here's the thing, people like this type of music, like physical goods. And we have noticed that. Like, we'll put something up for download. Eh. And then we'll say, all right, but for five bucks, you can get this hard copy CD, and they sell out every time. Because, like, look, there's plenty of people to do that. So I think he's planning on, once these last few songs are done, to put it out as like a 10 inch LP or a 12 inch LP. Hopefully, hopefully it will. It's, I want one on my wall. <laughs> and honestly, playing in a metal band these days is just a way to collect wall art. Yeah, no, I have a, we're building a, a big, structure on our property which will ultimately turn into the the radio studio and that's kind of the goal is you know uh the art for the wall will be the albums and shirts and merch of the bands that have come on the show and which is really cool a a kind of a cool showpiece but uh nothing is cooler than you know looking at stuff that you've either had a part of or that you know somebody and you're supporting friends and you know whatever I, i just i just think that's super badass and one day when I'm gone, like my nieces and nephews, like, oh, Uncle Mike played on that. Yeah. And then I'm going to sell it on eBay. <laughs> they probably will. They probably will. And it's still better than you know, walking into the grocery store and you hear a song on the radio that you played on years ago when you needed the money, like the whore that you used to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All those uh, massacre radio royalties um, will probably put them through college, I'm sure. Oh, oh, absolutely. And like I was telling you the other day, I'm really concerned that once the royalty check's coming in, it's going to interfere with me and Cam's social security payments. <laughs> You're going to have to claim that shit. It's like going to the casino. <laughs> it, it's bizarre. We actually do have to claim income from the record label because they 1099 you. Oh, man. We just signed a merch deal with a company in Europe, and we have to claim that on our taxes. We're like, holy shit, we've got taxes now we make enough money to pay taxes that's when you know that it is truly a business at that point it is a business and i have to tell cam i've been training because i've been in business for 34 years doing what i do it's like you gotta get in that saving receipts and all that crap otherwise it's gonna take half of it so you gotta get that mindset well 
In addition to the anticipated uh, October 22nd date, uh, things have started to open back up again. I know that there's some shows you guys got coming up. Uh, you got a show, of course, with uh, my friends there in False Prophet, which is awesome. You got Maryland Death Fest announced for next year. So what else is going on out there? You know, um, Maryland Death Fest. We're doing three of the Death Fest. Brian tell you that we're doing Maryland, Quebec, and the first UK Death Fest. And I'm going to openly admit, I, okay, I've never been starstruck in my life. But when I see Tom Warrior in person, Tom Fisher, whatever you call him, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to be a, a blabbering. That's Tom. It sounds like Frost. And I, it's going to be hard to control myself. I'm going to hug him. You're going to hug him? <laughs> you know, here's the thing. When this pandemic shit is over, after years of not shaking hands, and being ice, I, you know, life in Florida, we're still wide open. I'm going to go to these shows. I'm hugging everybody. Big, hairy, aggressive bear hugs. Yeah. Uh, that could be scary or it could be, or it could be oddly comforting. I don't know. I would hope it's comforting because, you know, I'm going to stand there at the merch table with a sign, free hugs, buy our teeth. Nice. Uh, so when you go and you meet uh, Tom G for the first time and you're speechless, are you going to give him a, Ugh. I, I probably would not be able to remember to do that. Cause I'd be so starstruck. Yeah. And I, I really, I can't think of a whole lot of people who have always considered like he influenced us to do what we did early on. Yeah. And he was one of the first guys to really the hellhammer first Celtic cross. Like that was a catalyst for us to move from, what we initially played to what we became like on the first demo. No, besides the death fest, we have a show coming up in New York city. And I was actually talking to our promoter yesterday and he is talking about a short run in Europe in April and possibly one here in the States now. So, yeah, would love to see you guys get over to this coast at some point. Uh, I'd have to bake in like five days to go hiking. If I come out there though. Yeah. Well, that's okay. I mean, uh, you can get a break. Just tell them you got like dysentery or something. You need a little bit of time off the stage. There we go. You can drink some of that Pacific Northwest spring water, uh, sure to clear out your system. I'm sure it will. <laughs> I'm sure it will. So, um, all right. I have a couple of listener questions for you. Are you ready for this? Did Chris Heap ask a question? Chris Heap did ask a question. And, Probably why I never smile. Okay, no, that's not it, but that's a good one. He's, he's fucking smiling right now, bitches. I don't know what you're talking about. You will not find a picture of me smiling. They don't exist. Even as a kid in my school pictures, I look like a mad. It's just a my natural face. But I, I smile all the time, but I can't smile for a picture because it looks like I'm about to kill somebody. Yeah. Well, folks, uh, the only time Mike smiles is when he's talking to me. So um, let, that, uh, let that be out there in the world. Bring me coffee or a puppy to play with or something like that. Yeah, yeah Mike likes cute little puppies. You know, it's awesome. Yeah, this is a funny thing. You meet all these guys who play this awful death metal music. Oh, we're so scary. We're so evil. And we all have these little dogs that we treat <laughs> like puppies. And we like, I would kill you if you talk bad about my dog. And we sit there and like hold them and like we just baby them and pet them. There's so many guys like that out there doing this. It's really funny. Yeah. And uh, also that have really epic flower gardens. Um, I love gardens. I love gardens. <laughs> I love gardens. 
They're fucking awesome. I told you what I'm doing with my garden, didn't I? Besides covering up the bodies? No, it's even better. Okay, I've already planned on haunting my house. And I built this house for me and my wife 15 years ago. And I built this huge garden. I have like an acre of flowers on our property. No, my wife is a dentist. She pulls teeth. There's a lot of bad teeth in the town we live in. <laughs> White trash training camp of America. I mean, Mountain Dew teeth, they don't mix. Um, I've been brings home jars of human teeth. And she donates to the University of Florida. I've been, now, teeth don't decay once they're out of your body. So that's why when they find a crime scene, they find the teeth and do the forensic odontology to identify the body. I've been taking human teeth that my wife brings home and scattering them all over my property. (laughs) So one day when I'm gone, and I will be haunting my house, like I said. I've already planned on how I'm haunting it. I'm leaving the Easter eggs in the house for future residents to find. hundred years from now, somebody will be like planting a rose bush out in my garden and finding human teeth everywhere. That's my way of screwing with people in the future. That is quite possibly the most amazing thing I've ever heard. And uh, <laughs> I, you should also... It would be cool, um, just for shits and giggles, to build some teeth armor, like just a breastplate or something, or some jewelry. Better. My wife is working on this in the next couple of days. Remember how everybody back in the eighties had like the big spikes on their guitar belts? Yeah. It's like fixing teeth to the new strap for my guitar. So instead of spikes, I will have molars. That's pretty metal. Yeah, I can't think of anything much more metal than that. <laughs> I'm supporting my wife. I'm showing my appreciation for what she does. And at the same time, being really creepy. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, Varg in Euronymous would appreciate that as well. Um. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And she's got a weird sense. you got to have a weird sense of humor to do what she does. I mean, for like the jack o where she puts human teeth up in the mouth of them and puts them out on the front porch. Like, oh, that's amazing. You have to be a little sick to put your hands in mouths all day. It's true. I don't think I would do it, but hey, there's money. In, there's money in putting hands in mouths, so um, so she why not? Me, she sends me pictures. I was like, go wash your hands with kerosene before you come home. Oh, gross! She sees stuff. Like, oh my god, was that a human's mouth? Those teeth are fizzing. Ugh. Anyway, (laughs) getting back to listener stuff, uh, and yes, Chris Heap, first up uh, on the list here. Shout out to Mr. Heap, of course, for supporting everybody. So he wants to know, besides why the fuck you never smile, throughout your career, what motivates you to keep going? Um, You know, why are you still doing it? I have all this equipment that I'd feel bad if it was sat around getting dusty. It's just an investment thing, right? I know, I know. Okay, yes, I do have this, but I have tons of gear in my house. Good Lord, I can't sell it. Um, I've got effect pedals from the 80s that I haven't used in 40 years. I can't sell them. I just can't do it. No, honestly, I do it for fun. Yeah. It's, it's fun at this point. I have no misconception about making millions and millions of dollars playing death metal. We did as kids. We don't have that anymore. Um, that's the only reason. It's fun. I mean... Quick story, we were at an airport flying back from Germany probably about a year ago when Taylor and Jeremy were still with us. And there's a sweet, I mean, okay, I like old people. 
Yeah, I am an old guy, old person. There's a sweet older lady, probably in late 70s. She had a little violin case with her, and she was standing in line to get to a security checkpoint once we got back to the U.S. And here's a Santa talking to me, this really nice older lady. And she saw we all had guitar cases and things, and she had a little violin. And she asked, well, y'all, y'all musicians too? I was like, yes, ma'am. She asked, well, what kind of music do y'all play? And I just looked at her and said, ma'am, we just play heavy metal. I wasn't going to try and explain to this lady what death metal was. And she was showing me her violin. She had just flown back from Switzerland, where at her age, I think she told me she was 79 or 80, she still plays in a string quartet. And she flies all over the world to play her violin. And I mentioned, you know, and it's no offense, but your age, it's really impressive. I mean, I'm impressed that you can still do this and still have the desire to do it. And she looked at me with this sweet, sweet, and this woman's like five feet tall, this tiny little older lady. And she looked at me with the sweetest little face and said, honey, there's nothing better than playing music with your friends. And I was like, you know, you're absolutely right. And to, I think about her at least once a week. She's absolutely right. There's nothing better than playing music with your friends some days. That's what I'm doing. Uh, okay, listener question number two from, I don't know if it's Louis or Lewis, so we're going to say Louis Alvarez. Uh, before you rejoined Massacre, were you still playing in bands? Mike, I know you and I actually talked about that a little bit the first time we talked, but, uh, so what were you doing, I guess, uh, right before, you know, this whole resurgence happened, right? See what I did there? It would have been about 10 years since I last played in an actual band. Um, I was doing studio work in South Florida. I was living down there at the time. And I mean, we were moving around a lot because my wife was going to school and moving back from South Florida to Gainesville, blah, blah, blah. But I was also playing in a band down in South Florida. And um, there's a whole record of material sitting there. Most of it's recorded. And our guitarist we were playing with at the time passed away during the process. And we just don't know what to do with it right now. So, yes, there is other stuff out there. Who knows what's going to happen to it. But, yes, I was playing with other bands. But just not not right immediately at the time frame before you were just kind of, uh, you were actually enjoying your life for a while before you got back into the band scene. Working a lot. I was working a lot. No, but I've never actually stopped playing, but I this is, I'm going to be honest, Massacre is really the only death metal band I've ever played in. Hmm. Yeah, he was in a boy band for a while, which was fantastic. Uh, I think they were called the Soy Boys. I was in a smooth jazz project in South Florida. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. He ran uh, Dave Letterman's band for a while. I celebrate the entire Kenny G catalog, don't you know that? What else can you do besides celebrate Kenny G's catalog? Uh, He's from Seattle, too. Hey, there you go. He had a great perm. He did have a great perm. Him and uh, him and Richard Simmons should get together and uh, like jazzercise and uh, and play music. You got to remember what was about this about thirty years ago when you just could not turn on a radio without hearing Kenny G. Yeah, and I'm not saying the guy wasn't talented. Or he get was in the elevator. Fire. Oh, God. But yeah, I mean, it was annoying. He could do what he, what he did. He did very well. I'm not going to badmouth anybody willing to put themselves out there and play music. That's just not what you do. But geez, it was just everywhere when that was when that was a thing. You just could not go places without hearing Kenny G and Anita Baker. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> so what I'm hearing from you is that the next massacre covers are in fact Kenny G and Anita Baker covers. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, why not? Absolutely. <laughs> they are going to be completely smooth jazz based. You've never, you have not lived until you've heard Cam's Luther Vandross impersonation. Oh, he's Cam is such a smooth singing motherfucker. I can't imagine anybody else that he would do besides uh, Luther Vandross. I have no doubt in my mind he can break out some. It's not even love songs; they're sex songs when it comes to his wife. I mean, he's just he is going to he has to have some great wooing skills when it comes to singing his wife. I love his wife; she's a sweetheart. Well, she, you know, if you've heard uh, Cam's mid-song banter back at Will's Pub, um, you know you would hear the amazingly Barry White-esque smooth lyrical content that can flow from his mouth. Um. <laughs> my poor wife had never seen me play death metal before okay she had never been to a death metal show before and she showed and i said look i want you to come to this it's fine and her and she brought like my little niece and nephew to oh, no. the show they're standing there right in front of me the whole night and the look on their face when he started talking <laughs> and i said like Oh God! Priceless. Do you have that on video? Because uh, then you could just replay that for them for the rest of their lives. I've got the audio unedited that one day I will release. <laughs> one day. Uh, it's uh, it's their legacy, so it'll be in a time capsule. Uh, do not open so- until you know twenty forty five or something. Uh, okay. Last listener question from Mike Jones. I'm Mike Jones, bitch. Uh, A Podbean subscriber. So he says, since it seems like every musician in the world is in multiple bands these days, do you have plans to play in other bands and have you been approached to do so? Yes, I have. Um, All right. In the last few months, let's see. I recorded a grindcore project with Johnny and Roga. That's already done. We're just doing that. The vocals, I think Rogue is going to do vocals on it now. And it will be called Ravaged by the Yeti. Mm. I don't even know where that came from. It was a joke that we had about somebody that sounded like somebody's getting ravaged by a Yeti in the woods. There's some kind of weird sound out in the woods behind Johnny's house. And that's how we named it. And it will be like 30 songs of grind. So one minute songs. Two to three, they're quick. I mean, but they're and honestly, they're not as grindy as like brutal truth or something like that. But they're we went we went into this with the mindset: what would it sound like if four autistic kids started a death metal band? And that's what we wanted it to sound like. Jesus Christ! I uh, did a blue. I actually okay. I actually did a bluegrass project a few months ago. Damn. Um, yeah. And I've got somebody that's asked me to do, it's almost like a 70s Fleetwood Mac style pop thing in the next couple of weeks. I'll do, you know, if it's cool and it's fun, yeah, heck yeah, I'll play on that. I don't care. That's awesome. I'm not such a purist that I'm like, oh, I only play a certain type of death metal. I mean, am I going to go do a pop and slap funk bass like now? No, I'm not going to do that. But like I said, if I can do it and it's fun, heck yeah, I'll do it. Like I said, one more 
One more thing to put on the wall in my practice room downstairs. Yeah, your K-pop band. That's going to be awesome. I think the world is uh, ready for it. I am so ready for a K-pop band tour with somebody. I mean, <laughs> there's something about the look of those people. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, you fit. You you fit the profile. I totally. I mean, I weigh more than your average K-pop band combined. <laughs> I've lost weight over the last couple of months because of the pandemic. I'm down I'm like a 280 pound weakling right now, but geez. Yeah. Yeah, you weaklings, you fucking posers. So, <laughs> all right. Well, here we are then, uh, just a couple of months away from the album launch, right? October 22nd. Now it's up for pre order finally from Nuclear Blast directly, right? Yes, nuclear blast, and I forgot who's handling it in Japan. I got to do voiceovers, some Japan thing after I'm done with this. It's going to be great. It's going to be hard to keep a straight face because they want me to say Kanichiwa on tape. You just said it. I'll send I it. know. I'll send it to him. Hard to do that. It's like Kanichiwa. It's like I'm. Gonna, I'm a sarcastic prick. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, now, is the is there a plan for you guys to uh, release any kind of orders or pre-orders like directly through the band, or is that a hundred percent Nuclear Blast has it all? Nuclear Blast. We want Nuclear Blast to handle it. Now, we obviously will get a bunch of copies and have our shows and that sort of thing. The days of going to the post office every day to mail stuff, it just I just don't have time for it. I really don't. Between the real work and the life and everything you just it's best to let them handle it at this point i want to get out of the merchandise business from running that out of our house so it's just it's a waste of time so what's uh what's next then you guys you're you got the single out right and you got the album coming out what's going to happen in the interim of the next couple months just a couple of singles releasing strategically and then boom, we hit with the album and, and we're good to go. There is another single and video that come out. I think it's September 1st or 2nd for the next song. And then another one in first of October, then one that will come out the week of the album. Obviously they want us to do, God, I hate them. There's a thing called the playthrough videos. So I have to sit here and act like I'm playing my bass and play along with the song that's been released and do the video of that. Somehow I'm going to incorporate my dog in the video. I don't know how. Right. They want us to do that sort of stuff. I mean, until playing live becomes a thing again, you're kind of limited to what we can do. We will not do one of those fake live stream concerts. I have yet to see one that I you see these guys, you're like, I know that guy. And you see the good look on his face, like, he's hating us right now. So that's not in the cards for you guys, then? That is not in the cards, no. We don't even, we really don't even want to do actual videos with us entered at this point. And he wants, and Cam's adamant about not doing certain things. And that, and an animation video that makes us look like cartoons, those are out. Those are out. Oh. That's heartbreaking. I mean, I was so I know, looking forward yeah, to that. Right as a cartoon. I yeah. mean, I got the superhero thing going on. <laughs> well, what else then do you want to uh, leave us with before I let you get back to your, your day today, man? What do I want to leave you with? Honestly, there's a lot of people out there that have already, before they were saying before the single even came out, oh, that new massacre sucks. And look, Take your time. Listen to a song. If you don't like it, no harm, no foul. Check it out. At least give it an honest listen. Really. 
Yeah. And people that hate stuff just because I hate to tell everybody this. Most of your favorite musician friends, not your friends, but like that favorite musician you've liked your whole life, they're probably an asshole. And to not like a band because you've heard so-and-so's are a real prick, it's no reason not to listen to music. Yeah. That, that, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. And the other thing is, the reality is band politics are a bitch. Personal politics are a bitch. If you had to stop liking somebody or being friends with somebody because one of the other people that you liked or friends with was no longer friends with that person, then realistically speaking, you would never have friends and you couldn't like any bands. What's that whole, the enemy of my enemy is my friend mentality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there are lots of people out there. It's, there's a weird tribalism going on out there. I just don't care for it. No, don't. I mean, like, I'm friends with lots of people whose music I hate. I'm not going to not like you because I hate your music or vice versa. And they're the same way. I mean, you have, people have to be an adult about some of this shit. Perfect way guys to... don't personally like you either, you know? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, uh, I've got quite a few people out there in the world who probably would rather not look at my ugly mug anymore or hear my I'm stupid voice. <laughs> people that write these crazy right. comments on black mouth say, look, I mean, we might not like you that much either if we met you. So, I mean, it does, none of that shit matters. People just making a big deal out of so many weird things these days. I don't care for it. Yeah. Listen, you know, you didn't, when we, okay, when I was a kid, you didn't know any personal aspects of like the guys from Leonard Skinner or Queen or whatever band you grew up listening to in the 70s. That did not play into it. Just, I like the music or you don't like the music. And I wish it was more like that these days. I really didn't. Yeah. Sadly, uh, with the advent of social media and uh, everybody doing their own research, um, you know, everybody is an expert, right? Everybody's the the armchair warrior that wants to, you know, spread the fires, fan the flames, if you will. But yeah, give the new massacre a shot. I think you're going to be more than impressed. It satisfies that Jones for the old school death metal. It's hard hitting. It's fucking heavy. It's brutal as fuck. The people playing on the album are awesome. Um, even hey, Mike. I'm actually changing my last name to Mike awesome any day now. But... <laughs> awesome. Well, so there you have it, folks. Uh, Mike Borders, thanks for hanging out today again on Misery Point Radio. Always awesome to talk to you, and uh, good luck on the album launch and the new singles and all that stuff that's uh, coming down the road here. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for taking the time. And thanks, of course, as always, to all of you out there in radio and podcast land for hanging out on Misery Point Radio with us today. Don't forget, you can follow us on all those crazy social media platforms, and you can listen on your favorite streaming service like Pandora, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more. And since it's been a while, I want to give a shout-out to my brothers and sisters over at the Spoilerverse Network, which, of course, I am a part of. So if you're a fan of movies, comics, TV, gaming, music, and other pop culture-related awesome Head over to Spoilerverse.com and check out the other shows like Bridging the Geekdom, Shooting the Sith, Nerds from the Crypt, Funny Book Forensics, Hard Agree, and of course the podcast to end all podcasts, Spoiler Country, in an ocean of podcasts, they are Cthulhu. And now we're going to close this one out with one more epic Lovecraftian tune. So here it is, the brand new single from Massacre off their upcoming album Resurgence, due out October 22nd. This one's called Innsmouth Strain. Crank it! (laughs) 